Welcome to this podcast from Greater Boston on WGBH2. Our podcasts are made possible through the generous contributions of WGBH viewers and listeners like you. Jeff Jarvis has been taking the pulse of pop culture in America for a long time. Once a critic for TV Guide, Jarvis went on to create Entertainment Weekly and has been a columnist for the San Francisco Examiner. In his new book, What Would Google Do?, he examines the company and how it can be a blueprint for success. And Jeff Jarvis is here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Karen. Um, you write this, this fascinating part um, in your book about how Google customizes things, right? They've got thousands of people working on open source code, helping them out, and how this could be applied to other industries. And one of, the, one of the really interesting industries is the car industry and the idea that you could customize the color of your car or even beyond that. Do you see that, one, as a possible way Detroit could go? And two, do you see that happening in other industries, the Google model? It's not just the Google employees make their products, mm. we make the products. Mm -hmm. Because Google releases betas, they're, they're saying this is unfinished, it's incomplete, right. help us finish it. Now I'm not suggesting I want to drive a beta car, but if Detroit opened up its design process much earlier and could hear us, what kind of cars would they make? You know, I would have told them years ago, I'm sure many would, that if they just put a 39 cent plug in the radio, we could plug in our iPod. Right. And I curse the car every time I get in because they couldn't hear us. So imagine if they released a car that was unfinished in some way. What if it was unpainted and I could take it to somebody and get it painted and it would be mine like no one else's or put my own seats in or my own dash or my own anything. Yeah, I think this is, if, if, if you look at cars like computers, I can buy a computer and I can put on what I want on top right. of it. Wouldn't that make a better car in the end? And do you think that um, there are other companies that are going in the direction of the Google? I mean, you, you alluded to, you can build your own laptop. And sometimes you can customize the color and make it you know, beautiful instead of sort of the, Dell, the, the one Dell model of you can have any color you want as long as it's black, sort of the Henry Ford model. Do you see other, other companies doing this to, you know, with beneficial effect? Yeah, I think what we're going to see is people starting to open up in other ways because it has benefits to just hear people. Uh, Starbucks is changing its processes because of its uh, customers. They have mm -hmm. mystarbucksidea.com. People come on and they tell Starbucks what to do. Hmm. For example, hmm. somebody came in one day and said, you know, I wish I could, on my card I could put not just my money but also my drink order. Right. When I go in the store, let me wave it. My money goes out, my drink order goes in, I go around the end. There were three or four ideas like that that are being discussed and, and got a lot of traction on the site. And I realized that all those people were complaining about the lines at Starbucks. And not one of them complained. Given the chance to help Starbucks, they generously wanted to help. That's a different relationship and a different attitude with your customers and your public that I think any company plus any government and even university could learn from. Yeah, and it gives you an investment in, in exactly. the product that results. I have a question about that, though. Um, and we, we talked about this a little bit before the show. Um, China. In 2006, Google decided that they wanted to enter China. Eric Schmidt, uh, the CEO of Google, just said about a week ago, China's the big prize, you know, that that is the big market. But in order to enter China, you know, here's this company that's all about openness, that their motto is don't be evil, and yet they restrict access to websites about Tiananmen Square. Uh, they have links to Falun Gong, the spiritual movement, but they're only negative websites. Um, so how do you sort of, re you know, reconcile these, this idea of openness with clearly not openness in order to get into China? Google's not perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, they demand that all the rest of us be transparent, and Google isn't that, that transparent about things like their ad rates. In China, they argue uh, classically that uh, it's better to have a hampered internet in China than no internet at all. I think they're selling themselves short. 
uh, and perhaps being a little greedy there. I think that Google has more power and more influence in the world than even they know. And Google, Google depends on free speech. So they should defend free speech with more verve than anyone. And they don't in China. So you would have advised them to, to not make that deal with the government, to not sort of compromise their... I would have hoped they would have stood at a higher plane and, mm -hmm. and done that. Uh, but they also do recognize, as other companies, the New York Times company is in there with About.com. Lots right. of companies are in there because they see money to be had. Right. You know, Google's don't be evil motto isn't really so much a declaration that they're virtuous. Uh, the founders have said that they mean this as a means for employees to sit in the meeting and question what's happening. Should we be doing that? Is that googly? Is that evil? And imagine if that were the words etched over the door of Wall Street and insurance companies and others, if more people felt empowered to question the company. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important new ethic that a company should have. So Google, by trying, is somewhat virtuous, but they're not perfect. They aren't God. You know, one of the questions that brings up is, is how much has Google been compromised by the economic environment? Obviously, they may be more willing to make deals in terms of, you know, governments and, and taking sites uh, off limit. Um, but, you know, what is the economy doing to Google? Is it hampering their ability to do things that they wanted to do? Well, Google's having the same uh, problems everyone's having in the whole world right now. It is a national yeah. Uh, right. crisis. But I think it's more than a crisis. I think we're going through a fundamental restructuring of economies and society. Yeah. And that's really why I wrote the book, was not to judge Google, but to look at these fundamental changes through the lens of Google. Right. And Google just views the world differently. For example, uh, companies grew before by, by making huge acquisitions, borrowing huge amounts of capital. Well, those days are over for quite some time yet. Google grew to be the fastest growing company in the history of the world by building platforms and networks that others build on top of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a model for how we're going to grow to critical mass in companies and industries in the future, not by the old method of centralized ownership and control, but by more open networks and platforms. So even though Google will suffer the same problems we all suffer in the current advertising and economic environment, I think they have a model that is still a, a more important than ever a model for all of us. Did you hear, when you were out in Mountain View, California, which is where uh, Google is based, did you hear people complaining about um, the United States' lack of openness and perhaps limits on H-1B visas? Are, are, they, are they able to get the best and the brightest uh, from America? Are they able to get the best and the brightest from overseas? Did you hear anything about that? Um, the entirety of Silicon Valley sees that as a huge issue. Okay. Uh, so Reid Hoffman, who's the founder of LinkedIn, right. uh, the kind of professional Facebook, just wrote a piece last week on, on a blog, at TechCrunch and in the Washington Post, arguing that we need more visas and that the way out of this crisis is by investment in startups. Hmm. And that the government should uh, give us even incentives for doing that and maybe even investment in new companies. Other venture capitalists might disagree with that, but I think that Silicon Valley is still our best hope out of this. Detroit's not. Do you see Eric Schmidt, the CEO of Google, who is so active in supporting Obama, do you see that relationship with the Obama administration as benefiting Google at all? I mean, do you, do you see him as having agenda items that he would like to push through? Um, I think probably uh, uh, network neutrality and the open internet, yes. But I think it's more than that. Obama has promised a transparent government. Now, will bureaucrats and Congress let him do that? I'm not so sure. but. The googly way should make government transparent and searchable and linkable. We should be able to search everything that we have in government. I, I half joke that we should abolish the Freedom of Information Act and replace it with an ethic that says that everything in government is open. 
they should ask our permission to keep things secret. Right. Great. Well, thank you so much. This is a, a really fascinating book about how companies and even societies can be remodeled on the sort of Google business idea. Thanks very much for joining thank us, Jeff care. Jarvis. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We invite you to watch Greater Boston weeknights on WGBH2 at 7 p.m. and again at midnight. The program is also available through Comcast On Demand.